Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment, your journey into personal growth. The splendor of any decision is after you've made it, all that remains to be seen are its consequences. My name is Ken Primus. I am your host. Here at Threads of Enlightenment, we talk about the principles of self-development and personal growth. By having conversation with people, who have walked through their journey of personal growth. We believe that everyone at some point in their life will have to deal with one or more of these principles to have the privilege of focusing on their self-development as humans. These principles, when applied, can help you to become the best self possible. Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment, your journey into personal growth. The splendor of any decision is after you've made it, all that remains to be seen are its consequences. My name is Ken Primus, I am your host. Here at Threads of Enlightenment, we talk about the principles of self-development and personal growth. By having conversation with people, who have walked through their journey of personal growth. We believe that everyone at some point in their life will have to deal with one or more of these principles to have the privilege of focusing on their self-development as humans. These principles, when applied, can help you to become the best self possible. Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment, another episode. And as you know, what we do at Threads, we uh, once our guest comes in, we turn it to them and let them introduce themselves to us and tell us what they have created today. And then we will go back into that wonderful journey to get uh, all of the information as to how they achieved what they have done so that you and I can become better human spirits with that knowledge and that insight that they have gained from their journey. Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment. Thank you so much. Pleasure to have to be here today with you. Um, would you like me to just jump right in? Just jump right in. Just let us know what you are, what all of the things that you're doing today. Okay. And then we'll go from there. Absolutely. All right. So my name is Abigail Kempel, and I'm speaking to you from Israel. And I'll start by saying my biggest achievement is being the mother of six beautiful children, most of them diagnosed with ADHD. And uh, we are international travelers. I'm from New York, and we lived in Moscow for a couple of years and now in Israel. So we, we like to pick up languages as we go. And I, and I joke that it's kind of our ADHD lifestyle. So it's not me with the ADHD. It's my husband. I like to blame it all on him. <laughs> but uh, I uh, had my... Well, well, we'll go back to this. I started teaching when I was 20 years old in a school in Queens that was a school for immigrant children. So all of these kids were um, stuck into the same classroom. We had five different languages in one classroom, yeah. and I was meant to teach these kids. And uh, the problem was that um, it was very, very hard to communicate with them. But there was this one kid on the first day of school who locked eyes with me and said, lady, you don't know what's coming your way. <laughs> and he was right because I, he, the first day I handed out some nice handouts. We were learning about the, the holidays, the Jewish holidays at the beginning of the, of the year, you know, the high holidays. And uh, I hand out these papers and he grabs all the papers, crumples them up and throws them right out the window. Wow. And I'm standing there with my mouth just kind of gaping open. Oh my God, what am I going to do with this child? And I, and I did all the wrong things. I yelled at him and I punished him and I sent him out and I, and I told on him to the principal, all these awful things that teachers do. Mm. And uh, what I, what I realized at some point is that it wasn't him. It was me. This kid needed very strong boundaries. He needed to be clear. He needed to 
know what was expected of him. And I was terrified and shaking my boots and scared of this tiny little child. He must've been seven years old at the time. Um, he's either like a multimillionaire or in jail right now. He just had this amazing personality. Uh, so I went back to school and became a uh, special education teacher. And, uh, at that point I realized that I was particularly drawn to the kids with ADHD, mm-hmm. not in the classroom because they were awful students, just terrible. I couldn't get them to, to sit. They weren't interested in anything, but during recess, they came alive. They loved to talk to me and they'd, they'd walk, make circles around me, uh, saying the, the multiplication tables, like they wouldn't do it in the classroom, but during recess, they were more than happy to learn with me and tell me stories and ask me questions. And I said, well, I got, I, these kids are amazing, but how can I get them to learn? And it was at that time that I decided I was going to really put all my effort into helping these kids do well, because Back when I started teaching, what was it? Oh, it was like 25 years ago. Must have been that, that long ago. It's hard to imagine that much time has passed, but, uh, these, we did not run for diagnosis. Mm-hmm. We, our first question when we met a student was, why is this child struggling? Not what diagnosis does a child have? So I'm thinking, why are these kids struggling? Well, they are not interested at all in my lessons mm-hmm. at all because the first question they asked me at recess is, what does this have to do with me? Why do I have to know this? And I love the question because they were right. It had nothing to do with them. They, so it was so, and I had to respect that. And they also were always testing my boundaries. You know, is she really going to stick to what she said? Am I really going to get punished? So they needed to trust me. They were looking for someone they can trust. And they were also looking for structure, which they didn't have internally. So when I finally stopped feeling sorry for myself and looked at my students, Mm -hmm. I was able to create a program for them that was extremely successful and the kids did great. And my classroom became a real learning experience. And these children who often ADHD kids tend to be more brighter Mm -hmm. than their peers. Mm -hmm. They have higher IQ in general, Mm -hmm. and they're very perceptive and intuitive so they came alive in the classroom and it became an absolute pleasure. We always had a, a, a ball in the classroom. They, we had a ball th- being thrown around for if they wanted to ask a question, answer a question. They got a ball thrown at them. They had to catch it in order to mm-hmm. answer a question. And I had them stand up and sit down in the middle of the school day. Uh, if they wanted to ask or answer a question, they had to stand up so everyone would look at them instead of me. But it was just my way of getting them to exercise a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the day. And we made every lesson relevant to them. And uh, it was a remarkable experience. And it was then that I felt I've got to defend these kids, not because they're poor, sorry children, but because they're so capable. Mm -hmm. And we're sticking them in this disordered category, instead of saying they learn differently, but they learn really, really well. Mm -hmm. So that's the beginning of the story. There's a whole lot more, but I'd love to uh, hear your feedback on that. Wow, that is an incredible story. Now, how did you, because um, you, you painted a picture of it, a lot of uh, things happening there. Uh, some of the response that we had, the initial response was to yell and all of that. How did you personally begin to manage, um, begin to investigate some of uh not much of the kids' behavior, but your response to their behavior. Right. So I don't. I don't like when I misbehave like that. I'm. I uh, tend to be introspective and and really pay attention to my own behavior. And I wasn't proud of myself. Mm-hmm. I felt. I felt embarrassed of the way I was speaking to little children. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was my responsibility to give them a school year where they learn, where they're at the center, where they grow. And instead of doing that, I was, I was taking something from them that was very precious. And, uh, and because of that, I had to stop myself and, and say, that's it. No more of this. And, and I also had some insight from childhood because growing up, I, I grew up in a pretty chaotic environment where there was eight of Mm -hmm. us in the family. So you think I have a lot of kids. I, you know, I've, I've, I've way more siblings and my parents were getting divorced. So it was, you know, in a household where there are eight children 
very close in age. In 14 years, we were all born. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of was, was so busy trying to cope with life that if you had met me back then, you would say, this kid's got ADHD. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but if you re- meet me now, I don't, I don't at all. That's not that, that, that we leave that to the husband and children. I'm actually the only one who's on top of things around here. So I, so it wasn't naturally me. And it was kind of an aha moment for me mm-hmm. when I see my students and I'm saying, I would have been diagnosed with ADHD back then. Why? Because my environment and myself were clashing. Yeah. We weren't working well together yeah. because my, I was too busy trying to, to stay afloat. And therefore I didn't care about math and science and history and reading that, that was the least important thing in the world to me. And to come home and do homework mm-hmm. when, when parents were fighting with each other and, uh, there was total chaos. No way. That wasn't a thing I was going to do, but was I disordered? Mm-hmm. No, I was not disordered. The clash between me and my home was a disordered situation. So I was behaving in a healthy way for my environment. Mm-hmm. And when I look at my students and I said, well, are they like me? Are they clashing with their environment and I'm their environment and I'm not giving them the space I would have hoped people would have given me as a child, which I didn't receive either. But at least I could say I understood from myself in my growth process that that ADHD very often is an environmental disorder and it doesn't live within a person. So I was saying my students, I bet this doesn't live within them, but it lives within the class. Yeah. So that really got me to slow myself down, calm down. And, and also you, you always have when you're not succeeding, this nasty voice inside, you're a loser, you're a failure, all that. So I had to clear that up and say, no, I'm not a loser and a failure. I just don't know how to do this thing. <laughs> and it's okay to learn. Yes, yes. I love that that you were able to have that conversation with yourself. It's very important. And um, growing up in in with the eight, with your eight siblings, um, that is a great environment to learn, to observe, to to um, grow. And um, from hearing your conversation, it seems as if you were uh, an introspective type person that. Uh, use that environment to begin to grow and learn some of the questions. I love the fact that um, asking questions, because I think that's the way how an individual grows um, as far as when it deals with personal development and for us to pull back those onions and layers that have formed us from our um, childhood. Um, uh, I know you've been talking about some of, and I, it's, I love it. It's really interesting to see how, you are able to now not look at the children, but look at yourself and begin to dissect how you can manage all of that. It's beautiful. I love that. Um, because I had, as I mentioned, uh, my, I have boys. And um, back in, in, you know, they're all grown men now. Um, I, I bet you most of them would have been quote-unquote diagnosed with that because that's how you're describing your, your uh, class is how with my children and I had to learn uh, ways by which I can uh, bring out their strengths as you were uh, and have been doing with your classes. That's awesome stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, I I would want to add one more thing. And, uh, you know, if you look at any person you you meet, uh, each person kind of is packed, you know, pre-birth, they're packed with blessings and they're given and they're given challenges. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if we could look at ourselves and say, what blessings, what did I get for free from God? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and what am I going to do with it? I'm not going to let it just sit around. The thing I got free from God was curiosity. And, uh, from the youngest age, I looked around and asked questions. And that was something that, that I didn't earn. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I, I make sure to use it to its maximum. Any new situation comes my way. The first thing I'm going to do is ask hundred questions. And when I meet with a client, uh, you know, a, a new, uh, you know, 15 year old uh, girl, I want to know everything about her before I start telling her what I think is wrong with with her behavior or her understanding of things. First, she and I need to understand everything, and that requires always beginning with questions. 
And, uh, and that's, that's really what's propelled me forward. You get in a lot of trouble when you ask a lot of questions, people don't like it. And, uh, as a little kid, I always got in trouble for it because, uh, you know, adults, mm -hmm. parents, teachers were like, just do your work and stop asking. And, and who cares if you don't, uh, there's no relevance to, to what you're learning, just shut up and do it. But, uh, I haven't shut up and I've carried on asking questions, which is how I've gotten to where I am. And, and it's a gift I'm very grateful for. And uh, of course, uh, the challenges come along with it, but it's, but it's a good one. Yeah, it's a powerful gift. Um, I, I, it saved my life from um, monotony, I guess, or even just um, uh, guidance as far as when I, I was a young man going all over the place and got into trouble. Um, and I mentioned this a lot at my uh, here at podcast is that it is the beginning of your personal growth. It's the beginning when you begin to ask the questions of yourself uh, more so as to why you're behaving the way you are, why you're thinking the way you are. And you've mentioned some of your formidable years being in a family that will cause you to uh, look and ask questions. And it is, um, it's powerful stuff when you do that. And, and I think, um, when children ask, especially kids, um, when my kids came to me and asked, and they would, I would sit down, and if I don't know them, or when they would have these hard times, and I would tell them, don't ever come to me, tell me you can't, I, I would tell them to say, at this present moment, I am having a little difficulty grasping this. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and then That's great. we would go from there, we would say, okay, I would say, what do you think you need? And usually, you know, you need some information. And so we go and we find the information together. We grab a book. We sit down. I go to the library, pull a book, and we read about that information so that we're able to make better decisions. The whole thing is about making better decisions. That's what life is all about. You know? Right, right. We don't get to control what comes our way. We only get to control how we respond to yes. it. And we have a rule in our house. There's two sentences that the kids can't say. And we're, we're pretty easy going around here. But the, the two things that they can't say is, I can't and I'm bored. As I, I can't, it could be that it's hard for you right now. Let's figure out mm -hmm. why. Just like you, we take a very similar journey. Why is it hard for you instead of I can't? We don't give up right yes. away. We push through and we try to find out what's difficult. And I'm bored makes me crazy because... The world is open to you. Go find something to do. Yes. There's no such thing as boredom. There's always something to engage in. So uh, my, my kids have learned to really engage life that way and uh, never rely on people to entertain them, but rather find ways to entertain themselves through dance or art or hanging out with friends, soccer. There's so many things mm -hmm. and uh, there's, there's, there's no room for, for boredom. It's not a reality. I, I've always told my kids that's not a reality. Boredom is something that you control. Um, you can change that with a smile. You can change that with a, a type of music that you put, put it on and dance. Um, I wouldn't know that's something I never, <laughs> that conversation, <laughs> because I don't believe that we are more complex than that to be bored. I think that's, that's, that's just my, my opinion. I think as humans, we are a little more complex for us to just uh, surrender to boredom, I think um, that's uh, a lazy mind, I think. But that's just my opinion. I don't want to get in trouble here, guys. But um, I, 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 <laughs> I would agree with you. Uh, <laughs> I just think we, we are a lot more complicated. We are much more interested and interesting. Um, the ability of the human mind and emotion is so vast that how can you be bored? Um, you can pick up a book. And travel, you can you can do all kinds of stuff if you allow your imagination to be a part of your lifestyle. And I think some people rest their imagination, and when they do that, I think that's where "quote unquote" the boredom sits in and and set in. So perhaps we could see it as boredom being perceiving the world as limited, yes, and right. and using your imagination as re and as limitlessness. I, I agree. I, I second that motion. I think that is awesome. So here you are now. You're, you have these kids and you're moving along. How did you design this program? How did that come about? Okay, so 
So first of all, I, I designed it for my students mm -hmm. before I was married. And the, and the funny story is that I met my husband while I was teaching. I was teaching in an all-boys school. I met him then. And it must have been that I, I told you I really enjoyed these students. And then I meet my husband, and he's exactly like them. And I, I didn't realize it till afterwards that uh, he was he was as inquisitive and energetic and and asking a million questions just like them and taking circles around me, telling the public the multiplication tables. Not exactly that way, but he was just engaging life. And he, to this day, he's he's of the most engaged probably the most engaged person I know. But he definitely has all those ADHD symptoms. Uh -huh. And uh, because he's paying attention to everything instead of uh, hyper-focusing on one thing, which again, it's a blessing and a challenge. Yeah. So our kids start rolling in and my oldest is like this powerhouse. She's, she's like, you know, I remember being out in a, in a, uh, a yard. I took the kids to the park and there was a father there with a bunch of his sons, kind of similar to you. And the kids are running back and forth and back and forth. And my daughter is outrunning all of her, his sons. Mm -hmm. And he looks at me, he says, that is not a girl. That is two boys. <laughs> now I know this is very politically incorrect uh, to say that boys could run faster than girls. I appreciate that. But she was so energetic. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, I remember the, she, she got into this kindergarten. It was kind of an elite kindergarten. Mm -hmm. I don't know why one would need an elite kindergarten. It's just for the kids to play. But uh, so it was elite kindergarten and she got kicked out of kindergarten. And I'm saying, what? Well, we're a good family. I'm paying the bill. What's the problem? Why kicking her out? <laughs> Apparently she was way too independent. She was, she was taking the sparkly sprinkles and using them on her, on her projects and having her own mind, you know, doing everything that she wanted the way she wanted mm -hmm. it. So that was a little bit of a like, okay, something's going on here that I'm not understanding. And of course, when it's your own child, you see it differently than when it is uh, your student. So I was a little bit more offended and uh, trying to figure out what was going on with her. Then she did a, a younger elementary school in Moscow. And there they started talking about maybe she has uh, ADHD, although she, she was speaking three languages and writing in three languages quite fluently by the time we left Moscow in the second grade. Wow. So she was clearly highly intelligent, but she was not interested. She would run around the hallways barefoot. She was just like, so I'm thinking bored sensory issues. Mm -hmm. She's barefoot and she's running around because she already got what the teacher was saying and the teacher keeps explaining it, but they wanted to stick her into this ADHD category. So when I took her to um, to get diagnosed when we got back to Israel, within five minutes, a doctor diagnosed her. And I'll, I'll never forget the words she used. She says, slam dunk ADHD, because my daughter had jumped out of her chair to hand the doctor something. Mm -hmm. And she felt like, you know, a little girl should sit in her chair. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't know any little girls who sit in their chair, but okay. Mm -hmm. So she's, and she wants to put my daughter on medication, which was not not the way I felt it was that would be a good idea because like I said, she's healthy. Yeah. Why are we medicating a, a kid who's not well should be medicated, but she definitely needed a lot of help. So after I had created this program for my students way back uh, when I was a second, third year teacher and was using that in the classroom, I had to reevaluate and figure out how to do home. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, so I started doing a, a deep dive into the research. What is ADHD? What is me this medication about? Is it the right fit? Mm -hmm. What does it do, do short-term, long-term? All those questions that I get in trouble for. And uh, I landed up trying many, many different programs, uh, fantastic programs. But what I saw was that I had to do so much research to get my daughter all the help she mm -hmm. needed on the emotional side, creating habits, on the... On the physical side, all uh, figuring out if she had anything physiologically wrong with her. Is she getting addicted to screens? Is she sleeping yeah. well? All that stuff that I had to find out. And I said, there is nothing out there that gives parents this kind of guidance, which is when I finally, two years ago, sat down, three years ago, and sat down and wrote my, my first book, which is a full program for parents. It's the book that I was looking for. Mm. Uh, when she went 20 years ago, when she was diagnosed for the first time. And uh, 
so I created that book, but first I used every single program on myself in my home with my students, clients, and my own kids to see what works. And I tweaked it and changed it until we got a very, very solid program. And what's important to me with all of this is to make sure that parents know that their child is healthy and struggling, that their child's not disordered, and that they should not go down that path. They should always be asking the question, why is my child struggling? Because the diagnosis is less important than understanding the root cause of the of the struggle. And that's really the entire book is going through different root causes and giving parents a full program for that. That is awesome. Uh, I'm so glad that you have this uh, tool that is out there because there's, um, I know in the United States of America, that diagnosis is pretty prominent within the, the young um, kid uh, and young high school kids and junior high school and so forth. And so every family that is listening, all those families, if you know families that are having these issues, uh, there is a tool already put together for you that uh, here's a mother that was going through that, did all the research, so you don't have to do the research. You can grab um, a tool that she has put together, and I suggest you guys buy those those books and give it to families that need it so that you can give them an ulterior motive uh, or decision path, a different path where they can uh, choose versus uh, some of the um, heavy medication that I know that uh, that is given to to the kids today, because I know very few. I know some of them that are on those medication, and it's really interesting to see how they manage. And uh, I am glad that you were able to put that tool together. I always tell people that the reason why some people go through certain things is because God can trust them. And he can trust them that they would now take that information that they have gone through that um, that journey that they have gone through, and they can now assimilate that information whereby it becomes like food, and they can now feed the masses. And so I want to thank you that you were um, able to put together this tool and the massive amount of uh, time and research that you put into these projects. Really thank you for that because I know uh, a couple of families that I'm going to buy the, that book for. Well, thank you. It was it was a massive project, but really quite worthwhile. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I actually, uh, like I said, I've seen, um, I know a family that is struggling trying to manage the medication piece with the child. And um, it's, um, yeah, I can't wait to make this known to them so that they can uh, utilize this. And thank you. I mean, um, I'm glad that you're here <laughs> so that I can uh, get that yes. as a present for them, you know. So here you are. You've put thank this you. thing together. You are now, uh, your family, you're seeing this manifestation. You've done all the research. You've fine-tuned these, uh, these tools that you have uh, produced. Uh, talk to us about some of those good things, um, because here you, you have all these challenges. Now, how did the student respond? Um, talk about some of those success stories that, as we say, um, uh, with the children as they grow and uh, they know that someone understands them, they're comfortable, they're now functioning at a level that they are capable of and beyond. Talk about some of those stories about those those kids? Well, I had a very interesting, I, I think I repeat this story a lot. I had an interesting interaction with one of my sons. Uh, I have three sons, thank God. And uh, he came home from a friend's house and he was very upset. And uh, he said, you know, I'm really worried that my friend's mother doesn't love her son. And I, and I said, well, what makes you think that? What's bothering you? Mm-hmm. And he says to me, well, my friend was carrying on and speaking disrespectfully and cursing at his siblings and hitting them. And the mother, she just stood by and she didn't do anything. And I said, well, that's, that's, that's remarkable that you're telling me that because he, what he was saying is that when a child is not, um, is not uh, told to stop and there aren't good boundaries placed for this child, the child is 
feels unloved and uncared for. Mm. And whereas I knew in my heart that when we are have a very strong, clear discipline program for our students, our children, which I write about in the book, I knew that um, that it makes a child happy and calm. And I see it in my own house if I have to give a punishment to one of my children. And it's always a, a gentle, s- small reminder. Yeah. It's not a big punitive punishment. But when I do have to do that, the child always is so grateful and will come sit next to me and will want to talk and play and, and all that. And, and if I leave that child to his own devices and don't help him understand his behavior, Mm -hmm. I'm sending him a nasty message. And that nasty message is, I don't think you could do better. If I thought you could do better, I would stop you. But since I don't think you could do better, I'm letting you carry on. So the child feels unloved and the child starts to lose faith in himself and his own ability to make choices. So that is, has been a big success, learning how to set boundaries in my home, in my classroom, and seeing the responses of my students and my children to that, to the point that, uh, I have a certain, uh, punishment where the child has to do something in the house. Let's say you 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 dim the light in our home, mm-hmm. meaning you. I've asked you to do something. You've done something wrong. That doesn't make you a bad person. That means the choice you made right now wasn't a good yeah. one. And you could fix that by adding light to the home, by doing something, organizing a drawer, sweeping the floor, mm-hmm. giving your brother a cup of water. And what I what I see when that happens is is one of my one of my daughters. She she came home from school. And uh, she realized she'd done something wrong, mm-hmm. something I specifically asked her to do, and she did the opposite. So she looks at me and she goes, oh, goodness. And she goes and folds a load of laundry. <laughs> and then I was able to say to her, well done. You did well. You made a mistake. Yeah. Mistakes are forgivable. But what you did was take responsibility for it and add light to our home by helping out. Mm-hmm. And that, And when you see a child is able to connect that, and make the right choices and fix their behavior, then you know that you're creating a lifelong per, uh, learner and a, and someone who for the rest of their lives is going to take responsibility for their behavior, yeah. which is massive for our children. That is awesome. I think um, people misunderstand correction. Uh, if you love someone, right. you would want to correct them. And the, the purpose of correction is so that that person, that individual, would be better at their um, decision-making capability, as you stated. Um, And so it's how you correct, and it's not about abuse, but it's simply because you love that person and you care about how they react and how they grow. Mm -hmm. I remember when I I grew up in the British uh, school system in British Guiana, when I came to America... Um, it was a totally different school system, and I was absolutely stunned and shocked at the behavior of the students um, in school. Uh, we went to school to go to school. We studied. I mean, it was a it was a um, petri dish of of learning. When I came to the states, it was something different. It took me a long time to um, to adjust. I, I could not adjust. I kept going to my mom and dad talking about how the kids are talking back to the pair, to the teachers. We couldn't even try anything like that in my, where I came from because of what it symbolized. Um, it was a uh, symbolism of disrespect to the learning and to your teacher, to your classmate, the whole thing. And in the United States, it was like a war zone. It was really traumatizing for me to, to make that adjustment. It took me a very long time. I, I, I almost failed school because, and I was in college when I was, I came to the United States of America and they placed me in junior high school. I was in my second year in college. Oh, wow. I was 12 years old. Yeah. So I, I've seen some fairly failed uh, educational systems. Like I was a teacher in New York mm-hmm. as well as in Moscow and in, in Israel and Jerusalem. And uh, we are definitely losing our students. Yeah. We have completely lost the art of discipline. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, what's what I find most tragic, and uh, we talked about medication before, I did land up having to put some of my children on medication for, for small bouts of time because the teachers, they blame the, uh, the child yes. for the child's behavior mm-hmm. instead of learning to discipline. When I was a young teacher, it never would have occurred to yeah. me to call a mother and say, your kid's misbehaving. Yeah. If I'm calling the mother to tell on the child, what's my role? Is a, is a parent supposed to come and discipline the child? What's where, What are we doing here? My responsibility was figure out how to get that child to, to behave. And uh, now that teachers know that the child is disordered, he's got an ADHD, and just like medication is like eyeglasses, and if the parent holds back the eyeglasses from the child, mm-hmm. then... What, what are we doing? You know, the parent is the one who's, who's doing a bad thing, but the teacher has absolutely no responsibility to learn how to discipline that child and raise that child together with the parent. And I find that to be incredibly tragic. Um, because the kids receive a terrible message that first of all, the problem lives within them. Mm-hmm. Second of all, that if they, the only way they can function is with a daily pill. And that uh, it's not the teacher's responsibility to help them learn how to behave better. Mm-hmm. So we are we are losing a full generation of kids this way, and we we've got to get our acts together. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've interviewed a couple of people that um, uh, are trying to, and they are taking advantage of our current situation because of the COVID and so forth, and they are trying to introduce different aspects to teaching that they feel is needed the art of meditation, but you can't say meditation, which is kind of bringing in that thought life into focus so that they can learn how to, uh, how to focus um, more clearly and all of the different things. And, and um, it, seems, it seems from that conversation, because I had with several people, that there is this under, undercurrent that is happening currently within the space of um, the educational system that uh, there's a, mm-hmm. a movement, if you, if you will, that are trying to, to break down some of those barriers that the teachers have been um, in, uh, encountering in, in the, uh, the field of teaching. And so um, my hope is that it is a, a real thing because we, like you said, we've lost a generation of them. And so we need to figure out ways how to um, not medicate our, our, our young uh, geniuses anymore and, and just let them run free, uh, utilizing their, their God-given ability, their imagination, all of the different things that is implanted within that human spirit to make them great. So um, I hope that that's the case, especially within the educational system because they it's such a needed um a needed you needed a serious revelation in there as far as um how to manage the behavior of children uh, going forward right and it is an art and it has to be focused on yeah. it's not something that you know i i meet with parents very often and they're so hard on themselves i say why can't i figure out how to discipline my child and i say that is not something that you were born with mm. You don't just because a child's been born from your body know how to raise that child. That's something that, you know, they don't come with a, an instruction manual. Yeah. It's not like you're a microwave or your blender. It is a, a, a complex person. And I tell people, I, I have six PhDs. I, I've got a PhD in each one of my children because mm-hmm. they're so different from each other. And we have to figure out each child. So parents should never be hard, hard on themselves and say, I'm failing at yeah. this. It's hard. You have to put in the time, put in the effort. You have to work on yourself as a human being in order to be a uh, conduit to, to uh, raising children in a healthy way. Yeah. And, uh, and we have to, and, and the, the worst thing we could do is be down on ourselves. We have to believe that we can learn and then go about learning instead of assuming we were supposed to naturally know things that there's no way in the world we could have known. Yeah. I think we think sometimes um, situations have a way to make us behave as we are small thinkers. And again, um, the thought life, um, we are programmed from, from 
uh, when we're young and that loop that we play in our minds that we need to unhook, especially parenting, one of the things that, because um, I had to, I had to struggle with some of that as well. Uh, but I knew I wanted to do be a little different than how my parents were to me. And it took hard work. Um, I failed many times. I uh, crashed and burned like countless of times. But I, I, my desire was always to continue to be a better human spirit to educate my children as to human behavior, uh, the faults and the, 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 uh, all of the different things that we do. And so as I grew and I gained revelation within my life, I would sit down with my sons and just pour it into them. And my hope was that, uh, that they would grow faster than what, how I, I grew up. And it is a fascinating thing to hear. There would be people sitting down with my children um, having conversation and, are, and are, were amazed at the insight that these young men had at that age because I wanted to be different than how my parents treated me. Um, and again, it's just our perspective on how we handle things, um, how we perceive things. And they, um, I disciplined my children, and there are times when I went over the line, and I remember I would kneel down and come to their faces and ask for forgiveness if anything I felt that I was over the line. And right, so, right. Uh, you, we have to learn all these different aspects of uh, of our tools that are available to us. You're absolutely right. Um, we just have to grow up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, parenting is is a full-time uh, profession. Um, it's a rewarding profession because we, we get a chance to see young human spirits um, coming into their own, making decisions that uh, we would help them to um, alleviate some of the pain that they would encounter in their life. And it's, it's rewarding in such, such, but it's also painful as well. But it, you, you, you got to love it, man. I love being a parent. I love my children. Yeah. And, uh, you know, while you were talking, I, I thought of two different things. One was that if we're not paying attention, we land up turning into our parents. Now, that's not always a bad thing. It could be that our parents mm -hmm. have done wonderful things to raise us. But what, I'm, what it means is it's not a choice. We're not, we're just kind of doing what comes easiest to us. But if we are paying attention, there is no such thing as failure. There's only success and learning experiences. No. Yes, there's no such thing as failure, none. Because um, uh, you actually, as you move along, you're moving from, from uh, um, a revelation to revelation. The information that you had currently you made that decision there. But as you move from there, you gather more information and then you're able to make a better decision along the way. So there is no failure in that process. There's just an accumulation of, of information and making adjustment as one goes from one space to another. And that's how I look at life. And um, I think for me, uh, it helped me to become a better human spirit with my children, um, a father, um, now I always tell them I'm your biggest fan. I am now a friend. I, uh, they are grown. My youngest is 35. So oh, these wow. are grown men. Um, oh, you look young. <laughs> um, they're, they're, I am, I turned 60, uh, last year. So I'm getting up there, but they are grown men and it's a privilege, um, to have had them, uh, as, as, uh, human beings. They taught me how to become a better man, a better father, a better human being on this planet. And so I always say to them, thank you for the, the lessons that you have, you have taught me in this life that I, I came. And now I am available to be your friend. And I'm simply like a computer. I tell them I'm a computer that you can utilize anytime, the database that I have collected <laughs> To make to help you make your decisions. I never tell them what to do. I always tell them, this is the information. And then you make your decision and then we'll go from there. That's amazing. That's really beautiful. So my kids are younger and mm -hmm. uh, we're, st we're still in the, my youngest is 11. My oldest is 23. And uh, wow. we're still, 
So some of them are old enough that we just see eye to eye and we have a great time together. And and then there's the little ones who still need strong discipline and you have to stop your day and give them a hug and let them know you're thinking about them and how much you love them. You have to remember Mm -hmm. that because they're craving it and wanting it from you. And uh, it's an amazing journey. I recommend it. I highly recommend it. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's, it's definitely made us, uh, actually, I had a funny conversation with a client just last week where he started reading my book and he mm-hmm. said, listen, I have a problem with your book. So, okay, what's the problem? He says, you're just demanding of me to, to do so much work on myself. I don't, I, I didn't realize that that was part of it. And I said, well, that it's not me. It's parenting that demands you to be, I'm just, I'm just letting you go in the right direction. But yeah, yeah, it's a lot of work. And my book begins with three chapters for parents before you even get to the kids and trying to help them with schedules and, and emotional stress and, and all the other causes of ADHD symptoms. First, yeah. work on yourself. Are you, when you get angry at your kids, is it because you feel like a failure? Is that why you're yelling? Yeah. Or because you had a dream and a hope and they're not quite uh, hitting your dream and hope? Is that is that the reason you're, you're uh, freaking out at these little children? So you, first, we have to clear our own minds and figure out what voices are making us behave the way we're behaving. And yeah. from there, we get to the kids. Yes. Um, there was a painful lesson that I had to learn with, with my children. And I try to tell people it's, it's beautiful, but it's, it was very painful. And it was, um, I went to bed one day and I was concerned about my son. And I woke up with the, with the, fra- the phrase, uh, compassionate, compassionate detachment. Mm. And I remember um, contemplating that for a while and looking at my son's life. And I began to... Uh, I think the term came for me more so than he him. I began to look at my life as to the decisions that and the stress that was being brought into that relationship it was because of my expectation as to what right. I, I thought that he ought to be doing at this point or, or whatever in this situation. And so that uh, terminology, compassionate attachment, came for me I had to learn how to unhook from my expectation of my son and allow my son to walk his journey, not um, impose my expected journey of, of what I think his journey should be. And so when I unhooked, um, that relationship mended, and I was able to, to uh, pour love into my son and... Um, you know, it, it was one of the best experiences I've ever had in my life. Amazing. Yeah, that's very growthful. And as a mom, I understand how painful that was as well. Yeah. Um, I love, thank you so much for coming. I mean, your insight, the tools that you have provided for the families that are struggling with this, because this is a major thing within our society, Western civilization today. And um, you have uh, tools that are out there. And I said it once before, and I'll I'll say it again. All of you that are listening to this podcast, you I'm sure you know someone. Grab her books, get it to them, um, give them the tools that they would need to assist that family, so that this uh, their children and their child can get to a level uh, to understand. But more importantly, that the mother and father would get to a space where they as she was talking in my chapter four about the, the parenting, uh, so that the parent can become the best parent possible. I want to thank you so much for coming by, Friends of Enlightenment. I, I absolutely enjoy this conversation. Thank you so much. And I will mention that the book is called Hyperhealing, one word. And you could also find me on Instagram, hyperhealing.adhd, and at my website, which is also hyperhealing.org. And uh, if you have a question, you know, I love questions. So send it my way (laughs) through my website and uh, I'd be happy to engage with you and hear about your struggles, your journey and how you are enjoying raising your own children. Excellent. I'm going to also include all of that in uh, once we post before we post you. I'll send that so that 
everyone will have access to you. And as you said, we heard guys, she said, call, make sure you call, email. Um, Questions are beautiful stuff because it is the beginning of the journey. So I want to thank you again so much for coming by Threads of Enlightenment and spending your precious time with us. Absolutely. My pleasure. And thank you for providing this for everybody. Oh, you're welcome. Everyone who's listening to this broadcast, we hope to continually help you to learn how to embrace moments of darkness because it is in the darkness that we learn how to develop and use our abilities to truly see those parts of ourselves often invisible to us in the light. It becomes your responsibility to navigate through all of your trials to find out who you truly are and begin your journey to loving yourself which is possibly one of the most difficult things you will ever do in your life. To love yourself and to find the real you. But always remember to enjoy the journey. Thank you for coming by. Please subscribe. And if you can support us financially, we deeply appreciate it. You can do this by hitting the heart button. Until next time, Invite your family, friends, neighbors, anyone that you can. You can hear us on Buzzsprout, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Overcast, and many more. Everyone who's listening to this broadcast. We hope to continually help you to learn how to embrace moments of darkness because it is in the darkness that we learn how to develop and use our abilities to truly see those parts of ourselves often invisible to us in the light. It becomes your responsibility to navigate through all of your trials to find out who you truly are and begin your journey to loving yourself which is possibly one of the most difficult things you will ever do in your life. To love yourself and to find the real you. But always remember to enjoy the journey. Thank you for coming by. Please subscribe. And if you can support us financially, we deeply appreciate it. Until next time, invite your family, friends, neighbors, anyone that you can. You can hear us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Overcast, and many more.